You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, we didn't want them to just tee off on him. Um, you know, they knew we were going to throw the ball. Uh, he had gotten banged around a, a little bit. So in terms of preservation, um, I thought that was the best move. And plus it gave us an opportunity to see Carson in action. And the decision going forward at quarterback? That will probably come early this week because I want whoever the guys to be to get a lot of work in preparation for, for, for Cleveland. So how do you run practice with the two then? Well, I'm going to make that decision very early, Julia. And, and again, the whole idea will be for whoever the next, that guy is going to be is going to get the bulk of the work. Rivera on the team's radio broadcast post game. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. Now, you should know that Rivera has since spoken today to the media and still didn't name a starting quarterback for what it's worth. He did say that he plans on naming the starter officially, it sounds like. Tomorrow, so we will know once and for all definitively who's going to get the nod. My guess is it's Carson Wentz. But when you look back at Wentz versus Heineke in this game against San Francisco, look, Wentz moved the ball really successfully. There's no doubt about that. He got the ball out fast. That's going to be the key here behind this O-line. And I wonder if while sitting around just watching these games, that was his big takeaway. Because it was the first thing I noticed, is that he was not wasting any time. He's planting, he's firing. If that means running backs underneath, no problem. I think some of that is the style of the game at that point, right? San Francisco had a substantial lead. This was maybe not garbage time, but close to it. It was definitely some soft stuff underneath at times. They blitzed him right away, and they were playing some tight man coverage at points. But as his time on the field went on, he was just kind of taking what was there underneath against some soft coverages. And so the ball's going to come out faster in those situations because it's not longer developing throws. You're basically checking it down a lot. But 2.23 seconds to throw from snap to ball out for Wentz versus 3.13 for Heineke in that game. If you look at intended air yards in the game on average, Heineke, 12.8, was throwing the ball downfield a ton. Wentz, 4.9. Everything was basically underneath. And that's not necessarily what's going to be the case moving forward, I don't think. But it is important to note because I think it's probably the the message that he was given. Hey, ball's got to be out. Let's go four and five yards at a time. Let's not go broke taking whatever profit they're willing to give us. Let's move the football, stay on the field. And in the end, he ended up with a passer rating around 117, getting his touchdown, Heineke at 114.6. I thought they both were pretty efficient, largely. Wentz completed 75% of his passes, Heineke 72%. Heineke, though, by far his best game of the season in terms of completion percentage over expected, 
the difficulty of the throws, the length of the throws. Like the average NFL quarterback, 60% of those passes are complete. And on that day, he completed 72%. I mean, really, it was an outstanding performance largely prior to the turnovers, which is why I say this was premeditated. Now, here's why I am not upset. You guys listen to the show all the time. You don't even need me to tell you. If you're new to the program, welcome. This was weeks in the making. Taylor Heineke had an extended run here. Really, if you count last year, we've now seen over a season and a half of Taylor Heineke. And we know what he is. He's an outstanding QB, too. I think he could be a low-end starting quarterback in this league if if you want to be a a non-playoff type team who plays a lot of defense and runs the football and and wins 17-13. I aspire for more. I think Rivera and his front office want more. They want the ceiling of Wentz. They want the big arm. They, I believe, want basically what you guys saw for several weeks with the heavy run looks, defensive-led commanders, but with the ability to take the top off. Frankly, like what Heineke was doing against San Fran, which he just can't consistently do. You know, it's, it's the first game you've gotten that out of him now in almost a calendar year. Wentz can do it more often. Can he protect the football? Can he avoid sacks? We're about to find that out in these next couple of weeks. But I want to know how you guys felt about the decision. I personally think based on what you gave up for Wentz, going to him as soon as possible was a no-brainer. I think that does matter. I know a lot of people don't care. They want this to be a meritocracy. Football, sports are supposed to be the ultimate meritocracy. I think it matters when you go out and you get him that you at least give him a chance to see what he can do in this offense, which playing for about a month before he broke his finger, I don't know if that did that. He's had a lot of time to sit back and watch it run by someone who knows it better than him. I think he'll benefit from that. And frankly, just to study the offense. like That's a real thing. I think we all agree, whatever you think of Wentz, whatever you think of Heineke, that the longer you're in an offense, certainly early on, like at the end of your first year, you're going to know it better than you did in your first month. So it should stand to reason that he could benefit by not playing just in terms of the cerebral and intuitive elements of playing quarterback in this scheme. Doesn't mean all of his flaws go away, and they are bountiful, as we know. There is a reason that he is on his third team in three years. But I do point to Indy last year, a much better version of the Colts than the one this year, which was basically a rich man's version of the Commanders. They led the NFL in takeaways with 34. Them and Dallas were tied. They had the number one running back in the league in Jonathan Taylor, who just thumped Brian Robinson style. And they hit some stuff in play action. And Wentz was a 27-touchdown, seven-interception quarterback doing that. They melted down late in the year, and he was a big part of that. So they didn't make the playoffs. Everyone considered it a failure, and I understand. But I believe Rivera and Marty Herney, and Marty Mayhew, and all the other Martys. I think that they watched that film and said, this is what we want to be. He can do this for us. And it took them, frankly, B-Rob coming back, the defense rounding into form. All of that happened essentially right as Wentz was getting hurt. We haven't seen their vision yet. And maybe their vision's not going to work. Like Maybe Wentz just isn't good enough, or, or maybe... Walking the tightrope that you have to 
to play really good defense, stay ahead of the sticks by running the ball, and have Wentz do the Colts thing from last year, but a little bit better. It's it's hard to do that. It's it's more than walking and chewing gum. You know, it's driving and texting and calling and getting bad news all at the same time. Like you got to pull over to handle all that. But they're going to try it for a couple of weeks, I think. Let's go to the phones. 800-636-1067. We'll start with Sean in Columbia. What did you think of uh, the decision on Saturday to go away from Heineke? I thought that uh, we were good with him. Um, I think once they went up 21-7, to uh, I think that that was probably uh, the fumble that happened. Uh, he had fumbled, and then they uh, kicked the field goal. Uh, we did we did go and uh, put 14 on the board, but they had they had went up uh, with, when he fumbled. They had kicked the field goal right when they kicked that field goal and went up uh, 27 to t- uh, 14. I thought that that was the time to get him out of there on that fumble because the play calling, which is Heineke's downfall, they don't help Heineke in that regard when he's in the game. When they put Carson in the game, the play calling we write we already knew that we needed to get the ball right out of his hands quick. That was the game and that was the game plan and the scheme for Wentz. So if we're going to do that with Wentz, I don't mind Wentz playing. That's great. But they, I feel Taylor Heineke can do the same thing with that type of game plan if they wanted to try to hurry up and get the ball out of Heineke's hands. But we already knew that. I thought that that's what they were going to do when we went in, uh, into that San Fran game with Taylor. What are your thoughts on that? Because I don't feel that they did that with Taylor. No, they didn't necessarily go quick game. I'm not sure if that's his strength, though, to be honest with you. Because I don't know that Heineke is nearly as accurate. Short. Like, he misses a lot of those swing throws. Has a hard time, I think, with the short, quick out. Has anecdotally, dating back to last year. I think he's at his best sometimes off schedule. I don't think on schedule, three steps and the ball's out is what he does well. I've I've never seen him that way. To me, like Heineke, at, you think of vintage, awesome Taylor Heineke, whatever play it is, I'll bet you it has to do with things breaking down, him extending or creating. His best play against San Francisco was when he, it was a boot, which they don't do enough of with him in my opinion. He was coming down toward you on TV, like to the bottom of the screen, and off his back foot on the, the near sideline, he throws a lollipop toss downfield into the red zone for a big completion. I just don't think balls out. He's making a quick, safe throw out to the flat. That's just not what he does. He doesn't have zip. So it doesn't surprise me that they didn't major in that. I'll also say this. If he would have stayed in the game, they would have called the exact same drive, I think, on the next drive for him in terms of that underneath quick stuff because that was now that, that was the time of the game it was. It was a, okay, you don't have any time. You need to go get points. This is getting out of hand. Take what's given to you. You know, it almost looked like that, like check down against garbage time kind of thing, even though it wasn't completely that. And it would have been his chance to do that had he have stayed in the game. Let's go to Nick in Winchester. Hey, Nick. Hey, Grant. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been uh, sitting on hold here and thinking and listening and realizing that everything that I was going to say you have said it, so I didn't want to, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head, basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, all of my points were taken away, so I'll just use my time to, uh, I guess, comment on, on Carson, uh, because, uh, you know, the, the two things that I, I wanted to say are, uh, 
the two-point conversion, this is more of a, a preference thing for me. Um, I would have rather him just throw it into the, you know, area or reach of any one of our receivers and just let whatever happen than take a, than take a sack. Yeah, just take it. You take now, a shot. Yeah, take a shot, get a, maybe a penalty. Even if they pick it off, there's a good chance we stop them before they take it all the way back. And then the second thing is this weekend he needs to go back to that uh, getting the – pass out quicker because... I Look, here's the problem. I agree with you. And this is going to be a theme all week, right? Everyone's going to want to see more of what they saw when the ball came out. That really was about the, the where in the game we were, largely. You, you can't operate that way for four quarters, and here's why, right? If a team knows you're going to quick game them, then the adjustment is, number one, to get their hands up. Another reason a caller said, why doesn't Heineke do that? Well, he gets a lot of passes batted at the line of scrimmage because he's undersized and he's not a Drew Brees where he moves in the pocket to find that perfect throwing lane. And so if you look at it, he gets a lot of balls tipped, batted, those types of things. Wentz isn't going to have that. He's got a little more plane, can come from over the top at 6'5 and, and almost throw downhill over top of the, the line, which is nice when you, you get that space in the pocket. But they're, they're going to have to let some things develop down the field. That's why Wentz is out there. You, you want to take some of those shots. So I think what I want to see, I mean, Eric Coriel might be strong, but like I, I want to see a run first, run dominant offense with Brian Robinson, particularly against Cleveland, where I think you can run against them, and then set up shots and play action. Middle of the field digs. You know, and Wentz didn't throw much in the middle of the field before he was injured, but I think that's got to be incorporated and be part of this now. You know, get Terry McLaurin in that 15 to 17 yard range on an in breaking route. You know, pushing the ball down the field. I want to see two shots a half, probably vertically. Really take advantage of that arm strength. For people who say that you shouldn't have benched Heineke or that going to Wentz is unfair, if you mean by that that Rivera made up his mind before the game started, then I think you're right. But here's why it's not unfair they can't score more than 20 points, they don't score. They played the Texans in Houston and had a defensive touchdown and had 23 points, for God's sake, man. Like, that's unacceptable. And that was in a game where they were in front much of the way. Like, you can pick whatever plays in the playbook you want, get as cute as you want to. That's an everybody-eats-Oprah-Winfrey game. That is a get-fat-on-this-terrible-team game. And, and they scored 23 points with a defensive touchdown. 17 against the Colts. 17 against Minnesota. 19 against Atlanta, 20 against the Giants, and 12 the second time, 20 in San Francisco. The, the, the only two times this year where they have scored over 25 points offensively were with Wentz at quarterback in weeks one and week two. Like, that is not a coincidence. And the reason for that is you have to throw the ball to score points. And you have to actually hit some plays downfield. Now, to Heineke's credit, he did that against San Francisco. And I do think that if they, he doesn't turn the ball over the two times he does, they probably score 24 points. Would have been their highest output offensively with the Eagles game since the second week of the year. But those turnovers kept you from doing so. Let's go to Paul, who's in the district on Grant and Danny. Hey, Paul, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Um, I don't have a problem with him benching Teller in the game. But I do have a problem with how he's going about trying to bench him 
for the season. First of all, if Carson Wentz is who you think he is, then why didn't you put him out there against that San Francisco defense from the jump? Why didn't you put him out there after the bye week against the Giants? Well, because, because here's why. Let me answer that real quick. I'm not going to cut you off. But the reason is because they were winning. And I think to make a move when they were winning would have been a terrible look for Rivera. And I think it was about optics. Well, you I know, was coming off a tie. You was coming off a tie with the Giants. You didn't right, win but that. you hadn't lost a game. I mean, if you, you the Giants game was a tie, not a loss. Then you had the Falcons, which was a win. The Texans, which was a win. The Eagles, which was a win. You had the one loss against the Vikings. Colts was a win. Packers was a win. Heineke was what five one and one or whatever it was at that point. To bench him, everyone would have just looked at the record and said, "You're five one and one since Carson Wentz was there." I know he hasn't played well. Rivera knows he hasn't played well. Anyone in that building who watches the film knows Heineke hasn't played that well. But every fan in the stands would have been livid because you broke something that they perceived to have been not, you know, that you, you, you fixed something rather they perceived to have been not broken. But, but, but here's my point. The record is still a winning record. And the two teams you got coming up, you're probably going to win those games with or without them because you're going to be favored in both of those games. The Cowboys probably won't even be playing half their starters on that last game. That's going to essentially be a bye week for them. They locked in at the fifth seed. Now, that doesn't mean that you gotta, you, you're you not going to play to win because they can still beat you clearly with Cooper Rush. They proved that earlier in the year. But the point I'm making is if Telehaneke is the guy that got you 5-3-1 and one, and the three losses is to a Giants team that's in your division that essentially you gave him seven points, that wasn't Telefort and the referees kind of screwed you on that game, okay? And you lost to Minnesota, who's the number two seed, and you lost to San Francisco, who's the number three seed. Okay, Carson lost to Jacksonville. He lost to Detroit. No, they beat Jacksonville. Thank you for the call. They beat Jacksonville in week one. So here's the problem, though, okay? And they deserve a lot of credit for this because there's a lot of ways that this front office thinks like it's 1992 still, and it bothers me. Here's an area where they get it. You are saying Carson lost to Detroit. They know the commanders lost to Detroit. Because in that game, Carson threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. They're not looking at at this as Taylor Heineke won five games. They're looking at this as commanders won five games with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. You say Wentz lost to the Lions. I say 337, three touchdowns, 65% completed, over seven and a half yards per attempt. Pretty damn good game at the quarterback position. You say, well, he only lost to San Francisco and Minnesota, talking about Heineke, right? Or New York, I think you threw in there. Okay, and to that I would say, that's when the team lost while he was in there. The problem was, he didn't play that well. His Best game was the one that just came that got him benched because they had already decided they were going back to Wentz. Now, here's where I'll level with you. Going back to Wentz has a lot to do with what they paid for him and less to do with Heineke or Wentz. If you think that's unfair, you're probably right. But I think that's the reality. And I think you're overstating it to say that they can't lose or won't lose either of the next two games. I think your point was with Heineke or with Wentz, they're going to win those games either way. Cleveland could beat them. I don't think they will. I think Washington wins, but I think it'll be tight. It's only a a two-and-a-half-point spread, by the way. Dallas, with or without Dak, with or without their starters, and I think they're going to sit their starters, something we've talked about on the show for a while now. 
could also beat them. I think Washington wins both. I think they make the playoffs. But here's where I am going to agree with you. I think part of the Rivera master plan here, whenever he hatched it, sitting back a few weeks ago, looking at the schedule ahead, I think at some point he decided, if we are in a win-and-get-in scenario late, I want Wentz on the field. Because that trade that they made for Wentz, which looked awful before he came out onto the field on Saturday, with every completion in a big game, with every performance from Wentz, that leads to a win now is going to look a lot better. You beat Cleveland with Heineke on the field, that trade's still a disaster. You beat Cleveland with Wentz on the field, most people are still going to understand they shouldn't have made the trade, but this is all about optics, right? This is all about just what is the average Joe going to say? Make the playoffs, Wentz is the starter in a playoff game? Trade looks a little better, huh? Win a playoff game? It's not going to be because Carson Wentz throws for 404 tutties, but you win a playoff game because Brian Robinson runs for 117 and you pick off a quarterback twice or maybe you sack Kirk Cousins seven times or whatever it is. All of a sudden, Carson Wentz just orchestrated the first playoff win for Washington in 17 years. And Rivera and the Martys can do a little victory lap on bringing him back next year or why they went and got him. So I, I do think you're naive if you don't think part of Wentz being back out there is really about making sure that that trade looks better when it's all said and done. I think that's fair. I'm going to level with you on that. I also think he's the better quarterback. And I've thought that since the moment he got here. Not a big Wentz guy. Don't think he's a top half the league QB. Don't think you're going anywhere with him necessarily. But I think one of them is best served as a backup. And the other is Carson Wentz who might be a backup this time next year, depending on what happens in the next two weeks. But he gives you an upside to throw the ball that you haven't had. Hear that as he gives you an upside to to score some points, which you haven't been able to do. 800-636-1067, you want to join us? Do you think that Rivera had already made his mind up on playing Wentz at some point against the Niners before the game kicked off? Grant and Danny without Danny on the fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
We're going blitzing at 4 o'clock on Grant and Danny. No Danny today. Welcome back. You're listening to The Fan 425. Got the latest playoff scenarios for you. How can the Commanders clinch a playoff berth this weekend? That can't happen, by the way. They could have nothing to play for. We could just be taking it easy in Week 18 around here. They could also, though, here's the flip side of that. They could be eliminated. And Week 18 won't matter at all if... A couple of things go against them, and they don't beat the Browns. So we'll get into that coming up at 425 on Grant and Danny. Ron Rivera spoke today, did not name a starting quarterback, but I think he gave some hints as to where he's leaning. We'll play that presser for you. It's about nine minutes long, coming up at 6 this evening. So make sure you're near your radio at that time if you want to hear it in full. But we are taking your calls on the Rivera decision to bench Heineke this past weekend to go back to Wentz which feels like it was a long time in the making. And this is where being the GM and the head coach, I think sometimes can be really complicated because I think as a GM, he's been looking bad by Wentz not playing as the team turned it around. And the head coach is able to make a move here to maybe help the GM look a little bit better. And he did it. We just had a caller say he thinks with Heineke or with Wentz, they're going to get into the playoffs. I don't think that's crazy, by the way. Like, I'm not sure if that's true. I, th- I think beating Cleveland's going to be difficult. Beating Dallas is going to be difficult. I will pick them certainly to beat the Browns, and as of right now, probably to win both games. And I probably would have picked them with Heineke or with Wentz, to be honest, because it's, it's not a huge difference based on what we've seen so far this year. So it, it's not the most tinfoil theory idea that, Basically, you're putting Wentz in there to reap some of the benefits now as the guy that you handpicked and traded for. Like That's not crazy. But what do you expect a head coach to do who's also the GM who traded for Wentz? Let's go to Shane in D.C. Hey, Shane. Hey, how's it going? Look, here's the thing, Grant. Uh, love your show. You hit around on the head. Uh, yeah, I think they should have made a change. You, you traded him for a reason to get you to the what? The promised lands. And, and – uh, I actually don't think they're going to be Cleveland. I think Cleveland is going to run the ball down their throat. And I got them losing the last two games. Uh, and at that point, I think you'll start seeing a new regime at that point here at the Commanders uh, down in Ashburn. But, you know, the thing about it is we traded him, we're getting up two picks, and he's making $28 million, and this is supposed to be his team, his roster, okay? And, unfortunately, they're both the same quarterback. The only difference is he's got a bigger arm. Uh, that's Jacqueline Hyde, if you want, if you call it that. But, you know, uh, I'm happy with what the, what the decision he made because uh, it's his team. And uh, that was this whole season coming in is what's he going to do for us? What's unfortunately got hurt, which that's his, his MO is always hurt. When I don't think he pretty much, we got two backups right now uh, as our quarterback. And, and unfortunately, none of the, I don't think these guys are going to be our starting quarterback next year. It's going to be a younger guy. Uh, hoping it's going to be Hendon Hooker at the University of Tennessee, go balls, but we'll see. You know, I think that right now our quarterback situation is, is the way it has been for the last 20 years. It's a debacle. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, but here's the thing. First of all, Hooker tore his ACL, remember, so he's not going to play much next year anyway. I I guess you could possibly draft and stash him if if he's available in the draft, but um, we don't need to put the car before the horse and start talking about what they're going to do in the draft just yet. If they were to lose their last two games, as Shane just suggested, they'd be 7-9-1 a year after going 7-10. and They would have improved by a half game based on the tie against the Giants. So basically, if Gano makes the kick that he missed at the end of overtime, it's the same exact record year over year. 
And before that, the first year of Rivera, they were 7-9. and nine. So if you played a 17th game, you could be 7-10 three straight years, basically. And it would be really, really hard to make the case, I think, if you're Rivera, if you lose these last two games, that you're all that much different, that you're all that much better two years later than you were in your first season, when your record is almost identical for three straight years. I mean, Jeff Fisher called. He wants his resume, his results back. You can't go seven and ten and seven and nine and seven, nine and one three straight years and act like you've accomplished anything. Like that just that doesn't work. I'm sorry. And on top of that, the quarterback situation has not only not been solved, you are just as far or possibly farther away from solving QB, the, the number one job as a GM. Tell me I'm wrong. The number one job as a general manager running an NFL team when you are hired, find me a solution at quarterback. He will have inherited a guy on a rookie deal who is gone, no longer here, and tragically, no longer with us, sadly enough. Out of the league and, and you know one of the great tragedies in the last 20 years in the league. But he will have gotten here when you had a rookie that you thought might be something. Maybe you and Scott Turner can, can pull the best out of him. You will have gone from that to being in the quarterback pool in your fourth offseason with three seven-win seasons. Unacceptable. I still don't think he would lose his job or be even on the hot seat. I don't think that's the case at all. I'll disagree with Shane on that. He said that we'll have a new regime, and, and I don't see that. But I think there will be pressure on Rivera. He could make an off-season move uh, in the front office, maybe, with Marty or Marty. You know, he could do something to shake it up, possibly. But the full-court press would be on going into year four. Like, you don't get a fifth year if you don't make the playoffs. He started his opening press conference of training camp this year, was asked by, I believe it was Scott Abraham, hey, is this playoff or bust? And he cut him off at the pass right away and said, oh, no, not at all. Let's not talk about that. If you have three seven-win seasons, Going into year four, it is playoffs or bust. But remember, there's possible ownership change coming. That protects you as well. You think Dan Snyder, while trying to sell the team potentially, or trick everyone, if that's what you think, that he's trying to sell the team with everything he's got going on and the fights he's fighting still and uh, the, the reports that are still going to be coming out, you, you think he's blowing out a coach, trying to hire a GM and a coach, during all this, I'm sure this is a fun place right now to, to try to hire people to. You know, you, you got some of the best players in your team's history, one of the most popular factions of players, the most popular wrestling stable in, in organizational history, angry at you, threatening a lawsuit. They don't even want to deal with you. You think you can go find a GM and a head coach who want to come work for you? No chance. They're not firing anybody this offseason. I don't think that's happening. But, yeah, if they lose their last two, and I don't think they will for the record, that will be four straight losses when they had the play. Not only the uh, a playoff spot, they had the catbird seat. They were in the sixth spot of a seven-team field, and they will have fallen out of each of those wild cards. Oh, that'd be bad. That would be a really, really bad look for this group. 
Let's go to Chris in Ashburn. Hey, Chris. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Just wanted to say, I, you know, I hear everybody keep talking about uh, we got to see we have him Wentz. I think we know he's a two and five quarterback. He came from the Colts. He came from the Eagles. So we know what he is. It's not like he's a new shiny toy for us. We know we have in Heineke five and what's his record five and three. So to keep saying everybody wants to see what we have in Wentz, I think we know what we have across the board, and it's not a starter in any of them. But I still think Heineke gives us the best chance to go uh, and try and find that playoff berth. But that's my two cents. Appreciate it. So jot this down, Clary. Darius, who gives them the best chance to go on a playoff run? I want to take calls on that sometime this week. I haven't thought about that, but but the caller just said, well, he gives you the best chance because I disagree with him categorically, right? I mean, I think if you're going to do anything, it's going to be Wentz finding the ceiling. And I'm not a big Wentz guy, but I, I think, you know, he's got higher roofs in his house than, than Heineke does. Heineke's got those 10-foot roofs. Wentz might have a 12-footer somewhere you can find. Here's one thing that I think gets me in trouble sometimes with people, or a better way to say this is an area where me and a lot of people disagree watching football is I will never be able to grade a quarterback just based on their record. I can't do it. I'll never be able to do it. A lot of you guys love doing that. It's like your bit. It's your favorite thing, and God bless you. Now, the caller just said, we know what Wentz is. He's 2-5. and five. Well, he's actually 2-4. and four. I guess we're giving him a loss for coming in and, and playing well against San Francisco because he played in a loss. But I, I, I can't do that. Like, they beat Jacksonville, okay? He gets a win there. I thought he played a winning football game. They beat Detroit. Uh, uh, excuse me, they lost to Detroit in week two. That's a winning performance for him. 335 and 3 on the road. You know, quarterback rating that day, if, there's a lot of other better metrics, but 99.6, like, you're giving him a loss as if that was a bad day for Carson Wentz. I'm saying, no, it wasn't. Eagles game, terrible. They happened to lose. Hang an L on them. Cowboys game, terrible. They happened to lose. Hang an L on them. Right now, if you want to do his record, it's 2-2 two and two through 4. Titans game, he's 25 of 38, completed 66% of his passes for 360 yards, Two touchdowns and a pick had a rating over 102. Now, there's a lot of better metrics, PFF, and other analytical sites we could dive into, but I would say that's a winning quarterback performance. He's 3-2. and two. Bears game, awful. Threw for 99 yards, 12 of 22. They won that game, so you're giving him credit for that. You're saying he's got two wins, and I'm saying that win stunk. He gets a loss for that, albeit playing with a broken finger. So I really think... In his six games, his record as a quarterback, in air quotes, it was 3-3. Three and three. He played well, Jacksonville, Detroit, Tennessee. He played terrible, Philly, Dallas, and Chicago. If you want to talk win-loss record, I think that's how you got to do it. When did you play a winning game? When did you play a losing game at your position? We could do the same with Heineke. And trust me, his record wouldn't be as good as the team's record was in those games. 800-636-1067. We're blitzing at four. We got our playoff scenarios. Team can clinch and they can be eliminated this weekend. It's getting late in the NFL season. Week 17 out of 18 coming up next.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Garrison Ryan on the production. Grant and Danny, no Danny. You are listening to The Fan. Coming up at 445, about an hour from now, I want to take a peek at the coaching carousel set to start spinning this offseason with Nathaniel Hackett fired in Denver. Panthers, Broncos, Colts are going to have openings. I think Jeff Saturday will get the Colts job. Uh, Everyone seems to think I'm crazy and goes, he can't get the Colts job. Have you seen them? Yeah, dummy, I have. He also shouldn't have gotten this job. He's drinking buddies with the owner. He'll probably get the job. But maybe he won't. I don't know. I don't care. The Colts are a joke. Uh, He shouldn't have been hired in the first place. But I'll assume, I'm just going to pencil him in as their coach for next year. That's my favorite thing in the world, though. Everyone goes, have you seen them? He can't get the job. As if anything matters. As if. Like, him being qualified or having done a good job is a necessity to him getting the job for good. Remember how he got the job the first time? Remember that they walked around the building begging people to call plays and everyone said, no, kick rocks, leave me alone, guy from TV. And then he gave the job to to a dude whose wedding Frank Reich, like, was the pastor for? It's the weirdest situation in the world. The whole thing is just so strange. So just pencil him in. Denver and Carolina both going to be seeking new head coaches. Although I will say, if you know if how your team actually plays does matter, Steve Wilkes has the Panthers in the playoffs. If Tom Brady and the Bucks don't come back to win the two games over their last uh, three weeks that they have after like 50 minutes of doing nothing. Carolina might make the playoffs. If they do, does Wilkes get in somehow? And does he make that job his by by making the playoffs? A terrible NFC East two years ago like NFC South? I could see maybe one or two other openings coming up. We could talk about that in an hour. Fielding your phone calls on Rivera benching Heineke. Let's go to Kevin in Damascus. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Grant. How are you? Thank you for taking the call. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Uh, ah, your phone is brutal, buddy. You'll have to call back. Let's go to James in D.C. What's up, James? Hey, Chief. <clears throat> this is your buddy who, uh, you know, made that wager about, well, not really a wager, but I forecasted that commanders were going to go 11-5 and five when they were 1-4. and four. 
Ah. Like you said, I can come on a show and call you idiots and dummies. I guess Obviously, we're safe, that's huh? not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I, I've been in Wentz camp for a long time. It is evident if you look at week one, week two, Tennessee game, he is the superior QB. I think Ronald is making the right decision. I have another project, prediction, and I think this one people will like. Not only are we going to win the next two games, but I believe with Wentz and with the improved offensive line, we're going to get to the NFC Championship. Mark my words. Time stamp me right now. 1551. That the Washington Commanders makes it to the NFC Championship. When in doubt, go back to the well. If at first your crazy prediction falls short, call in and give another crazy prediction. James in D.C., my guy. Yeah, that's not going to happen, man. I hope it does. That'd be cool. Let's run it back. Let's do double or nothing. You get to host two segments and call us stupid for two segments if they win the NFC Championship game. The the, the problem with calling Wentz a, a massive upgrade or a decidedly better quarterback, like he is a decidedly better passer is what I would say. He is a definitively better option throwing the football. Like that, I think, is irrefutable. I stop short of saying quarterback because there's a lot more that goes into it. I don't know how good a quarterback he is anymore. He's a better passer than Taylor Heineke for sure. Let's go to Pedro in Richmond. Hey, Pedro. Hey, Grant. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. I think that Wentz is the, the option to go to right now. I like what Heineke did where he gave us this five, this uh, five six and one stretch, but he just doesn't have the arm talent to make those great throws. I want to see Wentz and how he does with our running game, which he didn't have when he played, and our defense, because he also didn't have – our defense wasn't playing its best when he was the quarterback. I want to see how he does. Yeah, I, okay. and that was kind of my point earlier is I'm, I'm constantly amazed – that people have no interest in just seeing what this could look like if the vision of this group, Rivera, Marty, Marty, and company, was able to come to fruition even just for a few weeks here. They did not have their defense playing at a high level early in the year. They didn't. It rounded into form just before Wentz went down. They won the Chicago game, as an example, playing really strong defense. There were a couple of games there at the end of that stretch where they were playing better on defense. But they never once, during the Wentz month, or I guess it was five or so weeks, had the defense, the running game going at the same time. The Brian Robinson thumping that we've seen, they just haven't had that ability. And I am fascinated to see, does Scott Turner stick to the script? Does he stick to the plan? And if he he goes basically Heineke game plan with Carson Wentz, what would that look like? And I believe... It would look similar to the the ten and seven Indianapolis Colts in a conference that was much better last year, the AFC, than the NFC is this year. I really believe that. Maybe we'll see it against Cleveland and Dallas. We are due for a Beltway Blitz. We got some playoff scenarios coming your way next hour as well on Grant and Danny. Without Danny today on the fan. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.